Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. So this episode is not going to cover Let's Get It On yet. Um, Last night, I just randomly came across, well, I did not randomly. I was on YouTube and I was trying to see like how visible is my material on the platform. And when I just did a search of Marvin Gaye, it was not like I probably spent a minute and a half just clicking to the right, the right, the right, the right, the right, just going through the list of results. And I wasn't in them. So yeah. Um, but then I did a slight little tweak because I always kind of put this information in my descriptions and that's how your stuff shows up in results. I put in unreleased Mervyn Gay, and then thankfully I was pretty prominent in the results right there. So that made sense because that's the goal of my project. I have said that I'm trying to give you the depth of Marvin Gaye's catalog, not just the mainstream content. So um, I'm going through those search results and I came across this random interview of Marvin from 1983. And it was right after he had won his American Music Awards and right before he had won his Grammys. And so I was just talking about a lot of things and this lady kind of changed the subject and she went into low times in his life and for some reason she honed right in on 1975 she was like let's say you know go back to 1975 was a low time for you and Marvin kind of looked at her a little bit and then he just like clarified for her and he was like let's say from 1975 to 1983 was kind of a low time he said like the past seven years have been a low time. But I was just like, I felt that it was interesting the way at first he was kind of looking at her like, but then if if they needed to just go there, he needed to clarify for her. It was like an extended period of time. And so then she said, well, what was like the lowest point in these past seven years for you? And then Marvin touched on a topic that this was now the third time that I was going to hear this specific um, situation addressed. The first time was in his uh, biography, the book biography. The second time was in this interview with him and Tom Joyner when they were discussing, among many things, the um, Star Spangled Banner. They also discussed this situation and now Marvin was addressing it and he was like, well, unfortunately, when he was in Hawaii, which though at the exact same time I think is how Hawaii did give us a little bit more time with Marvin I've said this to you before and actually I want to say this to you also about Hawaii because I know that Hawaii episode is a very barely listened to episode but what I found to just be totally 
reassuring to me that I get it about Hawaii for Marvin Gaye is in my episode um, where Marvin's live at the Montro and I, you know, it's, he tells us his purpose and I've shared for you on the YouTube channel, the audio and the video. But in that where Marvin is telling us his purpose from the live at Montro concert. And in that snippet that I have provided for you where he specifically is talking about his purpose in life. He references Hawaii and he just says like, he knows that there's a God because just, you know, there's things that somebody can do that you can't do. And that's coming from someplace that's God. He's like, I don't know what, if it's a he or she or an it, he's like, but it's like, who makes the winds blow? And you know, who makes the sands in Waikiki? That's Hawaii. That's exactly that episode that I've provided for you guys. So take a listen to it. It it just is giving you a little bit deeper explanation of what it is about that place and, and why. But I definitely do believe it. Like, just like I said, it in itself, I do believe is how we got a little bit more time with Marvin. So anyway, he's explaining that the lowest point in his life, which is now the third time that I had heard him speak to this is that he tried to commit suicide when he was in Hawaii by overdosing on cocaine. But here was the time that I actually just hearing his own words, heard him explain what that was about. So he just said that, you know, it was, he was very much in love with his wife. And it was just really, really hard for him facing her rejection. And that's what had him in that place. So I felt the need kind of, and I feel like it actually is a important follow up kind of to the conclusion of the episodes that we've just done on the I want you project where that whole, I, you know, the theme of that is this love relationship, but it is a certain type of love relationship. Right. And I don't know, it's been my experience in love relationship. Um, but you know, might not be everybody's experience in the relationship. And really, it it has a lot to do with some unhealthy patterns that are, you know, intertwined into how you approach love. And I've explained that as well. So like, let's just kind of talk about health in love relationships. Like, let's talk about getting healthy in love relationships. I kind of don't want to just not address some blatant unhealthy things that kind of seemed to be as Marvin was explaining, you know, like just some low points in his life and some low times in his life, because I really do think that I will. And here's what I, I do think. I really do think that times that I have a little bit been on the other side of just kind of being in the thick of maybe struggling to cope with the difficulties of a love relationship um, fizzling out a very consuming, a very, like, it was unhealthy. It was maybe more of a toxic love relationship, right? And then, like, kind of in the immediate aftermath of a relationship like that coming to an end, like, there being an aftermath to a relationship like that, there can be an emotional coping challenge. And as there have been moments in life that have been a little bit more separated from those phases of time, there is a lot of Marvin's music, though, that breaks my heart for him and what it's just painfully clear. He was in the thick of 
you know what I mean? Like he was in the middle of like, I, I really just kind of bless Marvin's heart. I don't really know that he like successfully got to a, like a fully aftermath farther, you know, like healed away aftermath from, you know, a consuming love relationship, just not being able to work out. But let's talk about like that. Let's talk about the effects that something like that can have, um, ways that stuff like that can be avoided. And if you find yourself in the midst of something like that, like coping mechanisms. So, um, yeah, I will have to just state, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this and I'm not going to like, just be, I, I'm, going to judge I'm just going to state it I'm going to judge because there's just certain ways that I just am only capable of approaching situations so all I can do like I said is articulate my own side of things and I'm just going to that's all I can do that's the only reason why I can judge right is because I have my own way that I can only be as a woman in a way toward a man and then based on that it allows for a lot of judgment about things that I observe from women that don't conduct themselves the same way. And I think in a way that goes back to everything that I've explained about what's ingrained in me and examples that I have had and just kind of conducting yourself in a certain way, you don't necessarily need to preach about it. And so I don't want to come across in this like I'm going to preach about it, but it's when you kind of just have some things inside of you that are just so innate and they're just the integrity that you conduct yourself with that you do not have time for those that can't understand that that is also the way they need to conduct themselves and just kind of therefore unnecessary bullshit consequences that kind of have to come at the result of being wrong. I'm going to tell you that what I'm doing is I'm judging based now on the information that I have received via Jan's side of things. Okay. I'm judging. I'm doing it. Um, so just, and the only way that I can do that is to share my side and who I am as a woman and how I operate. And the only way I can go by it, and the only thing I've ever known, the only way that I know how to be, it's innate. I can't adjust it. It flows through me. It's the only way that I'll ever operate. It's going to dictate how I approach love situations. I can't deal with a man that he's not my man. He's not bigger than me. He's not, you know, the man. He's not everything that I'm looking for. Um, that if you aren't just ticking off every single that, 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 that you are the man to me, you're not going to be able to be my man. There's, I've never been able to be involved with any guy that I have some type of sense of hesitation about or questioning about, or like, I don't well, he's kind of, no, I mean, I've got to be in it to win it deep, encompassing, like wildly attracted, um, you know, crazy chemistry. We're going at it when we go at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nothing less than that will work. If there would be anything less than that, you and I would not be going at it. There's no way, like, you can't even touch me if I can't envision you touching me, right? So there's no hesitation on my part when I get with 
my man. And that being the case, like the only experience that I've ever known with being with anybody that I've ever been with is that there's not another person that's going to come along that will turn my head. Okay. It's just not, I guess that's why I told you guys too, like I haven't had a whole, whole bunch of love experiences underneath my belt. So I want to make that very clear. I ain't no hoe. Okay. I was listening back to, um, one of my episodes where I was talking about, like, I always just dive off of the cliff. Okay. That is the way things happen with me, but my body count is correct. Don't get it twisted. I told you I am what Luda says. I'm a lady in the streets. And when you're a lady, that just kind of is going to limit your exposure. Okay. So body count is right where it needs to be. But that is more dictated by just what I said has to be in place in order for me and you to even have knowledge of each other in a biblical sense. (laughs) Like, it ain't everybody. You know what I'm saying? It ain't everybody. But if it is, you are my man. Do you understand? And so there's like, you have nothing to worry about because I've just never, ever, I've never, ever been able to fathom that I have a man, you know, I have somebody that I am bothering to fuck with and that I'm dealing with and that it's possible while I'm in that experience that some other motherfucker is going to come along and turn my head. My man is what he needs to be to me. He's taken care of all of that. And that's it. I can't be a hoe, dude. Like I've never, I can't, I just can't even fathom. I can't relate. I, I can only judge bitches that have an ability to be letting somebody be with them and getting into that space with them, but just as easily as you could be doing it, the next motherfucker could be doing it too. Like, don't be a hoe. You know what I'm saying? Just don't be a hoe. And so I want to totally paint the picture that I totally understand the story, right? Like, I think possibly I discredited myself in uh, the I Want You episode. Where I'm saying, did Janice ever put Marvin through shit like that? Like, as if I don't know the story. Don't, do you think I'm this many episodes into this podcast with you guys and I don't know the fucking story? I think I know the story to where, like, I feel a very certain type of way about the story. And unfortunately, I will just say that my experience of going through the book of Jans is that it didn't offer um, a reassurance to me. It didn't um, take away. It it made me feel the certain. It like it it extra made me feel the way. Um, and it's just it's I will. It's based on what I just explained about who I am. And the things that were contradicting to that. Now, you know, in a way that is totally unfair, and I know it, you know, judging is unfair, right? Um, Unless you're on a jury of your peers, right? Like you probably just don't need to think that you're cool to do that. Yet and however, you know, like I'm just going to totally keep it to who I am, just like with writing with Marvin through my life, like, you know, Marvin's just writing with me through my life for way so long. Um, 
there's a love of the spirit, right? Like I've explained this. There's just the love of the soul. There's the love of the spirit. There's the depth of the, um, ex the vulnerability and the exposure of the soul and the spirit. There's the ability. There's you are a man who is going to speak your peace and this is what you have to say. It's just that for sure, for me, for all of these years, there's like a heavy investment in me, uh, in Marvin Gaye, right? Like there's just an investment in the soul connection that he kind of has provided a lot to the day to day of things, right? It's just like what I have explained by now. We're 20 plus episodes into the series in the course of 20 plus years of listening to Marvin Gaye's music. Um, you know, Ed, and I'm actually, I need to think about this too. I'm like, I need to understand, like, when am I going to need to say that this has been going on for 27 years instead of 26? Okay. It's next year. It'll be like May of next year. It'll be 27 years that it's been going on. Um, but yeah, it's like on a very deep connection level, you know, just consuming and consuming so much of this man's material. It gives an exposure to just the beauty and the gentleness of his soul. Right. And that it was interesting in this interview with this woman, there was one part where I don't even remember the context of what he was saying this in. I did notice like Marvin was kind of going about this interview the way that I can kind of go about these podcast episodes sometimes. It's like he was just going, you know? <laughs> so I don't even necessarily know that this woman had asked him anything about this, but he was just sharing. And so he was explaining like negative traits of himself that he was fully aware of and owned. But then at the exact same time, he gave positive traits of himself that are just facts and who he is too. You know what I'm saying? And it was a lot of those positive things. It was like, yes, Marvin, I know. It was just like I was his choice of words. I was very assured that he used to describe who he was as a person because it is very much what I get of who Marvin Gaye had to have been as a person. And I was just, I was so assured that the words he was using to describe himself match my take on who Marvin Gaye was as a person to describe himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, it that was assuring. Um, so yeah, and everybody has that, right? Everybody has the things that they could work on, but then also just the things that are the good about them. So, um, but yeah, it's just that over all of these decades, there is like a deep investment in Marvin Gaye. Just like I said, you're rocking with somebody so hard for so long. You've got to have a confidence in who they were as a person. You've got to be proud of them. You've got to know that you can back them up, that you rep for them, that you rep for them, right? Like you've got to know that you rep for that person and you've got to have that confidence in that. And so I totally 100% without doubt have that. I've, ex I, I know, you know that by now. Um, so I'm writing with Marvin, right? And he's just been writing as like the music to my life. And 
so yeah, there have just been times that I have been stronger and healthier in my outlook on things and my ability to cope with things than I get the impression that Marvin was in his life. Or, you know what, even if it's not that I'm getting an impression that Marvin is not able to cope and deal with the things that were going on in his life. It's just that it's a, it's a heartbreak that he had so much that was going on in, in his life to have to cope with. Do you know what I mean? Like that, I think can sometimes be a hang up in life, even just in how we, we have this hang up in our own circumstances sometimes, right? It can just be, we can get hung up on in these love relationships, right? Where we can kind of post-mortem it and look back at what our contributions were to something. And it was to make it, try to make it work, right? But then the, the effort that was contributed from someone else to that same situation was not in any way to help it sustain and make it work. And you can just kind of get hung up on, geez, why the fuck did this negativity have to be a part of things? You know what I mean? It just like, it just as easily could not have been what you did to the situation. And so that's where I just have to be completely honest that I have judgment that comes into play when we get into like specifics of what has been shared of the specifics of what Marvin and Jan contributed to their situation to have to contend with from each other's contributions. Right. And it's like, in a way it's unfair to judge, but in a way, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it comes from a place of having just been invested so long into just including Marvin Gaye in my daily and, you know, having a, a, confidence in who he was as a good person about that and then you are going to feel a certain type of way when it's you know now becoming knowledge that there were contributions made to a love relationship that he was in that were not toward his best interest so what I will um you know, kind of just speak to, to elaborate on that is recently I, and I posted this on my um, Pinterest page because it was such an interesting article. It was such like a rare article. I was looking for images and I came across this article from a, like a, an English newspaper from the eighties, that time frame when Marvin, after he had kind of been on doing some concerts over there in England and he just broke as hell, kind of didn't want to go back to the United States, kind of couldn't afford to go back to the United States, just kind of found himself staying on in England. And that that is probably known to be one of the really most significant lows in his life. And like, as I look for images, I, I will say, like, recently, I came across a series of photos that had been taken of him in this little apartment that he was living in. Um, over there with his son and I won't post those you know what I'm saying like I'm always going to use discretion like I'm not going to be trying to just highlight the the known low low points of Marvin's life like I you would hope anybody would want to do the same for you you know what I mean it's like if you're can you choose a good photo of me you know what I'm saying so um but at the exact same time those photo like if a photo is worth a thousand words right so it like is fully telling you 
what Marvin was going through and how he was coping through it. He was definitely struggling. And, you know, that can just, when you involve substance problems into your life, in the midst of your life, being something that you're struggling to cope through, that's going to propel the use of those substances like up to another level. And that's like, it was just this perfect storm of just low points for Marvin. It was the most was going on in his personal life situation with Janice. And it was like that just propelled that the most was going on with his drug use at the time. And it results in the shape that we see him in, in in certain photos from that time frame. So this one particular article I just have, I randomly came across. It was, I you know, I had never seen this before, but some local reporter met up with him in his little apartment there as, and kind of what was going on as he's working on the, in our lifetime album, or he's about to start, you know, that like while he was there in England is where and when he was working on that album. I think maybe a little bit prior to like that album kind of morphed. It started as one project that got kind of just like shelved and was like, okay, we're not going to release this project in this vein. We'll kind of take a lot of this material, but we're going to just repackage it and rework it. And it's going to kind of become a different theme and a different message, but it kind of had started from a whole entire previous project. And so I think that by the time it was fully the in our lifetime project, that's what he's doing there in England. But I think, you know, like he's just desperately struggling with like doing drugs in a way too intense way. Um, and he is going through the most at the hands of Janice, just not being able to cope with, as he said it, her rejection. Right. And, and I think that that's fair to just categorize it as that was Marvin's take of the situation, right? Like, of course, there's the other side of the story. And that's always to be fair to need to point that out too. like it just in the gist of what I get from Janice's point of view about just her and Marvin's relationship and reporting on it over all of these years is that she has kind of felt that her side was not kind of actively sought out to be commented on. And that versus reporters or people that are going to take on a Marvin Gaye project versus them making any type of an effort to reach out to her to actually get her to comment on something. Um, they just didn't do it. Uh, so therefore, like for the longest, like until her book came out, any type of knowledge that or any type of just a take on their relationship that there was is whatever Marvin had offered. And then also just like whatever observations that you would get from others. So an example is from that 2003, I want you to Lux edition that I was going through and there's a little booklet in there. And that was probably one of the first times that I was getting some supposed quotes from Jan, because I guess the author of that essay was talking to her in certain points of it. But even at that, you know, it was clear that what Janice was doing was just answering questions. She wasn't offering, she was answering, right? Like she wasn't providing just her story. She was answering questions that were being asked of her. And then aside from that, in that same essay, you're getting context about her relationship with Marvin from other people. I believe it was Com observations were offered, I believe, by Art Stewart, who was the engineer that worked with Marvin on most of those late 70s projects. And I think it might have been Leon Ware, who, you know, is the writer and producer of the project. And so the 
two of them, they at between the two of them, I get these observations. Oh, Marvin worshipped the ground that she walked on. You know, Marvin just adored her. Marvin really loved her. You know, and like along those lines, like, you know, just to elaborate, like, I don't think either one of them said, but, you know, oh, like, oh, Marvin was obsessed with her. Like, he just so, you know, and then you're getting things like that over the years, right? Like you get that type of input offered by others observing the situation and stuff like that is not necessarily alarming. So you don't necessarily feel like you can't absorb that. You don't necessarily feel like you can't just, okay, that's what their shit was about. You know, it's not something that you feel like you necessarily need to take with a grain of salt. So you just make these assumptions. You just go forward based on the assumptions of, of people looking from the outside in. And everybody knows that that's not ever the truest nature of a relationship. The only two people that truest know what a relationship consists of is the two people actually inside of that thing. Because there's a lot of time inside of that thing that is just between those two people. So... You know, to be fair, I do understand how she felt away for like years until she felt able to release her project. What I do just personally find disappointing, and I'm going to be exactly specific. Last night I came across, I was just Googling um, interviews with Jan because I knew there was this one specific one that I had in mind that I had watched at the time that she was out promoting her book. And it was some type of a recorded, like a videotape recorded interview because I was sitting there watching her talking to this dude and I couldn't find it. But and then in, instead of finding that, I was finding all of this other stuff. And so here's what I will just say is my disappointment about the project is that I was reading this article that I had never read. I think it was from some local newspaper of where she lives nowadays. And she was just explaining that like, she had tried multiple times over the years to get this project completed. And she was always working with another, with a writer, you know, like a writer. And she would just say that like over, and of course now I'm paraphrasing again, but just like over times that she would try and write with people, like the rapport wasn't right or like the story wasn't coming out the way the narrative wasn't coming out the way she wanted it. And then she said she got connected with Ritz and this is my disappointment. And just think about this statement. It's, she, she said it and I uh, paraphrasing cause I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but she was like, you know, then when I got up with Ritz, it, it was the right fit because Ritz knows as much about Marvin just about as I do. <sighs> so I, I think if you are on this episode with me from, Oh, episode nine is a good example. Um, you understand the disappointment I have in that uh, you should know more about your man than that motherfucker does. I said it, you know. Um, but so then that's that's the project that we ended up receiving and it took a really long time. But then there's like there's disappointment on my part, just as the who I am and a knowledge of Marvin and the investment that I have in Marvin and the feelings that I already have, you know, it's like, then I get your project and it's coming with that color and that fuck, you know what I mean? So, and then I'm just going to keep it going and I'm being honest and I'm being judgmental and I don't really apologize, but I will try and circle back to some fairness. Um, so, you know, over all of these years, you know what? It's that 
in the years before this book is coming out, I think if I'm ever hearing anything from John Gay, it's to the effect of her just pointing out that people have not really ever bothered to get her input on things, yet they'll just bother to go ahead and write about it anyway. So it's like, okay, that a, a little bit puts it into your mind that perhaps then you should just be aware that some of the shit that you'll ever be reading from other people about what their relationship consists of is not accurate and in-depth enough and knowing enough what the fuck they're talking about, okay? So in the meantime, then, I'll go ahead and process things that I read with that grain of salt, but then I'm also just going to be waiting for you to ever say your part, then. And here's where my disappointment came through and I'm just keeping it real. It's like, unfortunately for me, my take, and this didn't, I will say this. I did not ever notice. I did not ever pick up and pay attention to the part that Ritz was a part of that project until this year when I've been doing this podcast. It was once I've gotten into that book for recent episodes, I believe it was finally the episode I was doing on Hawaii when I told you that I picked up the book because I knew that she had talked extensively about their time in Hawaii. And it, I was like, I was in the book. And then when I had closed it back up to just, you know, like shut it there, it was on the cover. That was the first time that I ever noticed that that motherfucker's name was attached to that project. So that has not been an, a prejudice that I've had to like, just turn my nose up to the book and just already feel like off of the bat, feel a certain type of way about it. Absolutely not. Like I'm from the off of the bat. I just couldn't even help it that I was feeling a certain type of way about most of the information that I was receiving from that entire project. I couldn't help it. My investment for 26 years is in a Marvin Gaye. I, it was clearly revealing to me, therefore a very clear bias toward the side of Marvin Gaye. And then it was just like the further and further that I was getting into this project and the more and the more, just to be fair, she was telling her story and she was telling her side, but it was like, fuck, I didn't know that you had so much to tell. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't understand that I was going to be getting like so much more information toward in my perception now with this, yes, a bias toward my investment in Marvin Gaye over all of these years, like the degree to which the contributions from your part of things that were being contributed to the situation between you and Marvin fucked him up. And I have a judgment on that because in my opinion, that just comes down to conduct of a woman that I will never condone, respect, or rock with. Like, it's just completely opposite of how I have an ability in this life, on this planet, in this lifetime, that I will ever be approaching these love relationships. Here's a, a line that I threw in. I don't even know what episode this was, but it was like, you know, you can't go from filet mignon down to Raymond noodles, bitch. Don't settle for anything less than your filet mignon. When you've got that on your plate, you ain't looking for nothing else. You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm just saying. Like bitches that can have it in their arsenal that, oh yeah, you know, there was this other person and that other person and that other person and that other. It's like, fuck, but like now I'm sorry. I can't rock with you. Like I have been in life experiences where it's like, okay, could this chick be my friend or whatever? And you know, like we're just, you know, feeling each other out, getting to know each other. And as things start to come out about her personal life experiences like that, where it's like, I can just see that she's able to rock like that, where she's fucking with homeboy over here and homeboy over here. And she, and it's, I can't, I'm not going to be able to be your friend. Because I'm not going to be able to be your confidant to stand by without just being able to judge you. As you feel like you want to try and confide in me, like the complications 
that are going to result from you conducting your life like that. I don't have time for bitches like that. I just really do not. And so uh, I'm sorry when I go through this book and I just like I'm saying I was made aware of even more shit than I had already been made aware. It's like my investment and my bias is already for too many years toward Marvin. I, I don't have respect. I just don't that. And it is, you can get hung up on fuck. There's so much shit that was a part of the complications of that bullshit that just, why the fuck did that have to be what had to be a part of the situation? So, and then, you know, because it is, look at the result. It fucked him up so hard. He, it destroyed him. He was distraught. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to say that I don't feel like he ever recovered from it, but it was just like, fuck, you put him through the ringer. And so then it does get into be this fucking tit for tat. It's like, okay, yeah, but they, like that happened because this happened. And it's just, oh my God, dude. Like, um, Let's just now try and have a higher elevated view from being in the, the murk of bullshit like that. Do you know what I'm saying? But just I'm judging because I have absolutely no respect for it. And I, I can't come up with like excuses to condone it. So, you know what I'm saying? Like they, I, I just, I can't rock with bitches like that, that I actually personally know. And there will be no exception made for like other stories and like, oh, this is about drugs. You know, fuck that. Actually, it's about who you are as a person and what you're capable of. So, and like when you're capable of shit that I just absolutely can't respect, I'm sorry. I judge and I'm not sorry. Sorry. I'm not sorry. So, but let's just go to that type of a relationship, right? And that's what you can find yourself having been, you know, subjected to from the other party's part. Not to say, and let's just to be a little bit fair, like I said, I always do want to just try and come back a little bit to fairness. Yeah, let's let's speak to the drugs. And let's actually just speak to, like I said, at this phase in time, in that late 70s 80s phase of time it's well known that like the the exponentially more fucked up degree to which the consumption of the drugs had propelled into it was they were doing the most they were doing way the fuck too much the most with how they were consuming those drugs okay so it was over the fucking top and it's not going to be possible that you're fucking up your life in that way and you're going to have like success in your love relationships so to be fair Yes, there had to have been everything that was fucked up about whatever Marvin was contributing to the subject and the content. And then, therefore, everything that was fucked up coming from her side of things, too. Okay, just point blank, period. There couldn't have been anything more healthy going on. We we have to just factor everything in. But you know what I'm saying? It seemed like there miraculously was able to be for Marvin. Thank God. You know what I mean? is that there came a point in time where physically just like completely he extricated himself from those circumstances kind of at that time in London. Like I think he had been in London times before that in his life and it wasn't that type of a situation. 
But in this particular time and spot and just, like I said, that perfect storm of every fucked up thing that was going on in his life, it just was like a really bad situation for him. And thank God he had an opportunity that he just like completely removed, like physically removed himself from that environment. And he came into a place that was, you know, just thankfully more healthy for him. It was more healing for him. And where he started to have healing for himself in regard to this fucked up love situation that wasn't able to sustain is his gift was able to be relied on for himself in a way for healing. And I'm really, really thankful that Marvin had an ability to come out to another side of that situation. Um, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, it's been in times of my own life that I've been farther, healthier, removed from, you know, the fray of the aftermath of a love situation, not working out. And you get, you know, your two feet underneath you again, and you get a healthier perspective and you can just understand like the better place that you're at outside of that relationship. And there can just have been times that certain of, like I said, Marvin's music is coming on and my heart just starts to break for him. You know, you're just hearing his vulnerability. You're hearing him sharing like the depth to which this relationship was so important and deep to him and like just what he would have liked to have seen work out. Um, Sure. Let's just totally keep it fair. Marvin had to contribute to in his own way to ways that that situation wasn't able to work out. But let's get into like, this is what I'm talking about as far as the healing. Like, how can situations like that be healed from? I don't know that they can be avoided, people. I just honestly don't know if they can be avoided unless you are in a position to hear and receive the information you need to know beforehand. And like you're convicted enough of the information beforehand that then when that situation just kind of happens in your life, you're armed up enough with enough knowledge that you can avoid kind of having a disastrous outcome with it. But I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It kind of comes down to that principle of People just kind of need to live their own lives, right? Like parents can preach and try and school you up and try and spare you from everything that they've gone through. But sometimes the way the most that you're going to learn the lesson is because you have to go through it yourself. So I just don't necessarily know that we can avoid these types of situations, but we can heal from them. So um, it speaks to what I personally have been speaking about, that you have to approach situations from... okay. Let me, I need to add something before that. In order to like kind of achieve successful results, you have to approach situations from healed perspectives and healed mindsets and healed abilities, right? When we have unhealed mindsets and unhealed perspectives, um, that's how we're going into situations. And it's definitely on a subconscious level. Like nobody consciously knows that they have all of these unhealthy, broken, fractured mindsets and belief systems in place. 
And with those, they're just going to still anyway hope to have healthy, successful results. No, you have the fullest intention of hoping to achieve the healthy, happy results. You just don't understand. You're, you're not aware. You're not awake to the ingrained, unhealthy, unhealed, fractured mindsets that you have in place that are always going to prevent your ability to achieve the success that you want. And where these things typically kind of predominantly seem to come from is it's just about the way that the brain functions and works. It's, it's what allows for there to be a phase in anybody's life called childhood. So it's like the brain is functioning at a, a certain level, a certain wavelength, certain brain waves until about the age of seven, they say. And definitely it is in that phase of time that until seven phase of time where it's like just only the brain's capacity at that time. We are children. That allows us to be children. Everything that we receive comes in as belief. That's that's the brain's ability at that point. The brain doesn't have the ability yet at that point as things are coming into us from the adults around us from other children around us, right? Just the messages that are being delivered lifelong, you know, up through those years. The brain's ability at up to that point is to take it as belief. We don't have the ability of like a 40-year-old woman to say, okay, something was just, you know, offered up to me from someone else. And I'm actually going to take a second to discern through that and say, you know what, this part of that works for me and I can take that and I can believe that. But actually this part of your message that you just tried to give to me, that doesn't work for me. Like that rubs me the wrong way. That makes me feel bad. I don't want to accept that. I don't want to have to take that in. I'm not, I reject that. I'm going to push that back. Like I don't take that. I don't accept that from you. We're not able to make those discernments through stages of life, right? So when we don't have those abilities to push back on negative things that are delivered to us, what we do is we accept them as belief. And there, it's so little, our minds are so little, right? It's like, it's why it's so hard to go back and think back onto those times and have very lucid, just long, crystal clear remembrances of the things that happened to us at that time. It's, it's not really that easy to do. Um, our brain was operating on a, a different level at that point in time. And then, you know, they say supposedly like from seven until probably like roughly 12, 13, then we are on another level. It's still childhood though, right? Like it's still what allows that you can play and you can make believe and you can just be, you know, youthful and young. You're still processing things in that way. You're starting to get a little bit more of that discernment ability, but a lot of things that come our way, we process them as belief systems. So, you know, the examples are, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm a bad person. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. You know, like I shouldn't expect more than this or more than that. Or like, yeah, the things that are kind of going on around me at the hands of the adults, you know, like just kind of think about that. <laughs> just be aware of that around your kids, people. Like that's why I'm just, uh, 
that it's so easy to fuck up. <laughs> you can't be fucking up as an adult around kids. That causes so much mind fucking shit where it's like as this child around the adults that you see and the adult is doing an ass out wrong thing. And it's like, but that's your adult too. And therefore that's what adults do and so that's kind of what gets done so realistically to expect opposite of that is not really realistic because what my reality has been is that oh that's the way that things go down right and so just fill in your blank with what that could be that sets the wrong realistic for you expectation of what it is realistic to expect out of a situation, right? That's how you can come to the table with some unhealthy beliefs, right? You're coming to the table without even really understanding that it is your belief system. It's like, of course, you want to believe opposite. Of course, you want to believe that right thing is what you should be out there expecting to receive. But from what your personal reality has been, it's been the wrong thing is just actually what the adults do. And that's just kind of therefore setting the belief. And it's like, it's so deep down and subconscious and buried and ingrained. Like until you have an awakening to even know to seek that belief, that incorrect belief system out and get to it in yourself and heal it up inside of yourself and, you know, just love on yourself to know that actually, yes, you do deserve this, that, and the other thing. You're worthy of love just because you're here. You know what I mean? Like, and you are a good person. Like you're not bad. You know, we were disciplined and, and told, Oh, this and that is bad that we may have done as children, but that doesn't make us bad. You know what I mean? It's like, those things, it's just, that's why I'm saying these belief systems, they are what we start out in this life with. And they are so ingrained and they're so subconscious, which kind of so much rules the roost of our lives <laughs> that it's kind of impossible to avoid having to experience not getting those successful results that we seek when we're coming to the table with these fractured belief systems. I mean, it's just, the two don't match, right? So you have to get to a place that you heal those belief systems so that what your beliefs are is that you do deserve and that actually, yes, okay, a lot of fucked up things can happen in life, but actually the right thing that should happen is this. And I actually do deserve this. And you know, it, it's realistic to expect that this is what can happen. And actually, so then if what's coming my way is opposite to the correct thing, you know what? Nope, that doesn't work. Let's start to use that discernment. That doesn't make me feel right. That doesn't work for me. I'm going to reject that. I don't accept that. That is beyond boundaries that I have. You know what I mean? And so, no, you know, I, I'm not accepting that. I'm not taking that. <sighs> So I just kind of feel like, you know, those situations, the, the negatives, the hurtful things in life, they can't necessarily be avoided. Um, I think it actually may take 
as many of them to go through until we actually do have one that is significant enough to just kind of be a sit us down type of experience where something's got to give, right? Like something has got to be approached differently in life from this point forward so that this does not continue to just be my end result, end result, end result. Like, yes, of course I do ultimately go in cognitively I go in and I'm having the highest hopes and I'm not jaded you know and I I want the right things to be the result but unfortunately until I understand what my broken belief systems are inside and until I can start to heal them I'm probably not gonna see receive the the successful results that I'm seeking you know you've got to have the right belief systems in place of yourself and what you're worthy of to receive it If you don't believe you're worthy to receive it, you're not going to. And so, you know, it's like, it's that type of, I I don't know that Marvin was able to get to that kind of an aftermath state of his life. Um, But, and this is what I have said, you know, I'm not even all the way there. That's the thing, people, you know, life is life. I don't, you can be aware and you can finally be kind of awakened to those things and you can start to do that work but it's it's got to be this it's the what i said it for myself okay it's this i think the story of me is going to be anyway <laughs> that there is just this innate no matter what i do want to dive off of the cliff you know what i mean like i want to go in feet first like i just want it to work out but now coupled with that is more of an awareness of initial belief systems that I've had in place that have set me up to not expect not realistically expect the success that I seek and so that's why it's like okay push pause push a pause button I know girl you ready to do your running dive off of the cliff just like that when that man was attached to me and I because I, I literally know how to run off of cliffs on that in life you know what I'm saying so it's like you just have to push a pause button and it's like all right you know what this is like feeling like I could absolutely want to do this but now I understand like kind of what my own disability is that I'm coming into this situation normally speaking, you know, and maybe I haven't had enough um, practice to test out the opposite belief now, the correct belief. But it's like, let me understand that I have a propensity to just kind of think that I that it's not realistic to expect this. And so that's my, you know, my kryptonite. That's my Achilles heel. Um, and that's what results in. Therefore, I don't get that healthy thing. But because I don't necessarily think it's really realistic to expect that healthy thing. Let's take a pause. Let's just feel it out. Let's get more of a feel of what is this person working with? Do they have the ability to demonstrate any type of demonstrations of this healthy thing that I'm seeking? Hmm. The only way I'm really going to be able to get at that is I have to give that time. And so if kind of coupled with just pausing that out and allowing that person to show what it is that they actually consist of, you know, maybe this time around, I can just avoid jumping off of that cliff first. And then like, once I start to get some solid understanding that this person actually does have an ability to provide this healthy thing that I should be expecting out of life, Ooh, wow. Then and only then would it be time to do that 
triple flipple, you know, flip thing off of the, you know, like, but not until then. I think that that's the only place that we can get to people. I think that there, like, there are just going to be certain beliefs, those certain kind of young, youthful, yay, yay, yay type of things that are just going to be who we have inside of us and what we have inside of us. But we have to try and kind of couple that with the adult, just healthier approach to things, healthier belief approach to things. Um, I don't know that Marvin fully got to achieve that satisfaction in life, but his gift was definitely an aid to him. And you know what I'm saying? Like, there's stages to this, you know, evolution. There's stages to getting to health. And there's first steps, right? Like, example is right now, I personally am physically sick as a dog. I have been sick for two solid months now. And, um, I was telling my sister the other day, bless her heart, because she keeps just checking up on me. And so she was just reaching out. She's like, how are you feeling today? And I was like, you know what? Oh my gosh, sis, like today and for the past couple of days, like I just noticed it was starting to lift off of me. And it was, it was just like such an amazing, like, oh my gosh, I am not hurting from head to toe. And I have like an ounce more of energy. And that feels so amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's this first step to health. Well, that lasted for two days. It did last me for about two days. And then really, really hard. This thing has hit me again. I've just been wiped out for the past few days. But it's like there was that first glimpse of getting on another side of this. There was that first glimpse of health coming back. And so it's got to start somewhere. Like I've, I've got this great hope. It's like I felt that for a couple days there. I know I can get there. Um, you know what I mean? And so as much of anything as a first step when it comes to these emotional coping struggles that we have is just that wanting to seek out a more positive vibration, a wanting to seek out a more positive feeling, a wanting to seek out an other side of this aftermath of kind of chaos and just confusion and pain and hurt and destruction and just being distraught. And you're just in the midst of it. You can't kind of make sense of it. You, you, your first step towards health is just proactively like in legitimately wanting to seek out something that is positive from there. And then you do, then you just start to seek it out. And Marvin got there, you know, he definitely was seeking it out and he was singing it out. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about his gift. That particular song and I'm finally now going to get to what the song is because I've been referencing and I know I have not made that clear to you at all but I have been referencing one specific song um of Marvin's that he has he demonstrated to me the most a what he had struggled through and like just the distraughtness that he had been struggling with and the positivity outside of that, that he was wholeheartedly seeking and his just crystal clear. I don't know who you are on the planet. If you can't relate to this, except that you just maybe haven't gone through something like this in life is the only way that you possibly are not breathing this in and out every single lyric that he's singing. Um, but this is like one of the most crystal clear 
I am sharing my gift. My gift is healing me. And I am sharing my gift with you to let it heal you too. And he even just speaks to that. He says he's got a song in his heart and he's willing to, I don't know what he says exactly. I feel like it says I'm willing to sing it apart. I don't know. I love that about Marvin Gaye lyrics to this day, 26 years, mostly daily listening. There are so many lines and songs that I do not know what the fuck exactly Marvin is saying. And I love that. Okay. Because it's just still something to figure out. I will tell you an example of that one time that I, I figured out something that they were saying. It's in your all I need. I think I was 17. I was, it was at night one time. It actually wasn't too dark. I think it was just maybe like the seven, eight o'clock hour. But for some reason I was in my room. I was just choosing to be spending time in my room, in my headphones, in the dark, you know, no lights on. And it was starting to get dark outside and I had my headphones on and I was just looping the section of you're all I need to understand what the fuck are the lyrics right there. And then finally I understood it, but I still don't understand one little part right after it. So you're all... And here it is. This is what I finally was able to clearly hear them say. You're all, all the joys under the sun wrapped up into one. You're all. And then I don't. But I finally, it was like, I finally heard. You're all, all the joys under the sun wrapped up into one. I was like, yes. Because I could never tell what the fuck they were saying there clearly. I still have, you know, my ears that I was trying just yesterday to decipher what exactly am I hearing Marvin saying right here in a song. And I just, I still don't know. But that's what in this song, though, he's like, I've got a song in my heart and I'm willing to sing it. In part, I don't, I don't know, but it's just like, he's got it in his heart and he's willing to sing it. He's willing to share it with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the gift. That's Marvin Gaye's gift. That's Marvin Gaye going through the lowest points in his life, as he said to this lady. Um, and he had that first step toward healing in his heart and his soul that he just wanted to get into a more positive side of that beyond that and his gift I think was just really strongly revealed to him again I think like that was just a really healing place in his life for him in Austin Um, he had physically just moved out of that space in London just which at the time there's no offense to London but it was just at that time for him how he was living there was just like the lowest point for him And so then he put himself just step number one, he wanted to be more positive than that. And he stepped out of that and he stepped into a more positive surrounding where it's just like to be unhealthy as he had been wasn't even as possible. Do you know what I mean? But then just one aspect of salacious material, right, that I've always stated that where we won't be focusing on in this series um, when it comes to like a contradiction that Jan's project just kind of felt the need to make us all aware of 
actually providing a little bit of unneeded in the category of salacious information, contradicting, I think, a beautiful, just mind-assuring report that we had always just kind of generally had about his time there in Austin was, you know, the the general report was just always that it was a sober time for him. It was a drug-free time for him. And, you know, we have the reports of, um, we have the Richard Olivier movie of him being in the gym, running on the beach. Um, you know, he's eating, period. He's eating healthy, but he's like eating, period. He's getting some weight on him. You can just see him being like 5,000 times healthier than the pictures that I won't show from his time in London. So unfortunately, though, this was just another way that contributed to this. I will never need to revisit this book project again after the time that I get through listening to it on Audible. You know, it's like I've heard that book from start to finish one time on Audible. And after once I got to the end of it, it was just a consensus of I will never need to go through the hard copy of it that I bought because of the pictures that are in it and actually like read it and ever need to hear it read to me again. Um, she felt the need and this is, this is a disappointing thing, but it doesn't take away. And I will clarify what it does not take away. She felt the need to just, you know, prove her point of with her side, not having ever been sought out um, to comment on things that therefore that general report that we had all had. And just, I think everybody just feels so good about how healthy he was there. She needed to make sure to point out that actually he was not drug free there. Um, he was still doing drugs there. And it's just like, you know, kind of at the end of the day, when it comes down to, you know, what it is that you feel necessary to share that you actually know about something that others don't, um, you know, what it's worth to share what you know and what it's worth to just keep things to yourself. And for a number of years that had not, you know, widely been just, it hadn't been dispelled, right. It hadn't been disputed. And without that, it was just, it's like I said, it does my heart good to see him in that time. But here's what I will say. It's like, okay, if for some kind of fucked up reason I needed to know that, it's like, okay, that's fine. But when it gets into substance abuse, right, when it gets into the over-the-top, just out-of-control level that the group had propelled to with the way that they were consuming their drugs, give it the time up through London, fine. Okay. If I need, if I need to know that he was still doing drugs when he was in Austin, there is a definite difference in the way that he was consuming them than he had been and just deteriorating in London. So, and we, we have the visual of that. We have the, the sight seeing difference and improvement in his, his condition. So, you know, it's, it's just another, disappointment from that project but you know what I'm saying like we're not gonna let that it's like okay unneeded information but with it I'm still able to process in the positive 
like in this moment, it just, it always does my heart so good to just know that there was a, there was a more positive side that he was able to achieve. I just don't know, like if the full understandings and just the healing of the beliefs that he, he needed to just heal and, and know that he didn't have to believe, you know, he didn't have to believe things that just resulted in not successful results for him. You know, he, he was worthy of not having to believe negative things that had been made his beliefs. And I just, I really wish that he would have had enough time to achieve that because I think that would have been just the key to just a, a so much fuller and more confident and just a more, you know, able emotionally and, you know, just mentally Marvin and he deserved that you know he the all the joy that he provided to us in his short time here he definitely deserved to feel as healthy and and loved of himself as he is able to provide to us the helping and the healing that he is able to provide to us because like I said and this now I want to continue into this song. This is the song that I pointed out a few episodes back. Um, I don't know. Not many people have heard it. So not many people are going to know what I'm re saying here, but it is just that for myself and my life. And it was more in the recent years here. Um, cause it has only been in these recent years that I've come to be able to speak this language that I've been speaking to you. Right. Um, before you get there, before you get fully awakened, that's what I'm saying. There just has to be a step one. And it just has to be that desire in your heart to seek it out. You just have to seek it out. You can find it in so many ways. In some people, it's the degree to which you need healing. Some people, music can be the healing. Some people, nature can be the healing. For me, music and nature was not enough to achieve the healing that I needed to achieve. That wasn't enough. I had ingrained enough unhealthy belief systems that just the music and the nature wasn't healing. You know what I'm saying? So, but gosh, every little bit helps. And so helping me as much as I could find help on the planet prior to the further help that I have received was this song by Marvin Gaye. And, you know, I just, I can, it is, it is, uh, the most feeling song of Marvin Gaye that you just feel Marvin is just letting you into his life. He's letting you into the very insides of his life. If there is, you know, the he said, she said, and the, you know, the assumptions of whatever I've already spoken on earlier in this episode, this is as clearly Marvin's where he was at driving out of it. You know what I'm saying? You kind of just can see him. He's driving a lot, you know, and he's coming out. He's coming just away. He's traveling away from that. He's getting to another side of it, but he's just explaining like, you know, life, you know, he's just like, you know, the world isn't right. And you know, like a lot of people, they stay uptight and it's like a lot of people would be okay to see you destroyed you know what i'm saying he doesn't say those aren't his lyrics but that's like in this especially in this day and age it's like i think like that's the extreme kind of that we're dealing with in the struggles of these times 
in relationships with people, in trying to embark on relationships with new people that you meet. You know what I'm saying? Like you're just meeting someone new. And so then it is just going to take some time to learn the ins and outs of this person. And kind of as you are learning that in and out of that person, and actually, unfortunately, sometimes you can come to learn, ooh, the in and out of this motherfucker is like, he is crazy as fuck. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, in and I don't want to like say that in a disrespectful way to mental health, but I'm talking about crazy as fuck as like in crazy as fuck is that you are as intentional a fucker of any person that I have ever met. Like your MO is to be an awful person, right? Like you just are going through life, like intentionally shitting on people and trying to do destructive things to people. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, it feels kind of like the intensity of these times is that like people's MO is that they would be completely satisfied to destroy you. They would be completely satisfied that like at the hands of them and at the other side of the aftermath of, of your relationship with them is that you are wrecked. And they would feel like they had mission accomplished. Do you know what I mean? It's just like these times out here right now are on that level. But that is exactly the relation that I get to this song. Because, you know, Marvin didn't just say it the way that I just did. But he's just like, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing with in these days and ages. But you know what? Anyway, despite that despite how you're going to just have to be done by some people that you expose yourself to. You have got this music. He's saying to you that I've got my music and that was his gift. Do you know what I'm saying? Like for Marvin, I just can't even imagine though, like what having his music was because look at what that thing was to my life for 26 years. It's a gift. You know what I'm saying? It's my gift. It's my joy. It is my joy. That was inside of him. That was his God-given gift. So, you know, when you're blessed with something as intense in positivity from God of that, it could be all you need for healing. You know what I mean? If it's your gift, it's my gift because he gave it to me, but it's his gift because God gave it to him. You know what I mean? And I just, I do believe every single thing that he is saying, like, you know, he just is explaining to us how no matter what else he does not have from fucking with shit, <laughs> he's got his music and uh, so do we. And we do still. And so exactly what the song is, let me give you now the package information on it so that you can relate to it here. It is from the, I believe this was released in 1998, Marvin Gaye, Midnight Love and the Sexual Healing Sessions. This is my one purchase of sexual healing that I've made. And it's on disc two, which is titled The Sexual Healing Sessions. It's track nine. And I always know that because I still mostly access this song from this physical disc in the car. My car does not have a repeat button. So I always have to put in the disc and I always have to fast 
track two, track nine. And then every time it gets done playing, I have to take it back to the top. So it's track nine, turn on some music, alternate vocal slash mix, five minutes and 16 seconds. Now, I like that. I'm telling you these minute and second lengths here. And then when I one of the last songs that I told you that, then I went to make it as the song of the day. And the song is actually longer than it says on the box. So it's like... Ugh. But evidently, you know, close to around five minutes and 16 seconds, turn on some music track nine from this package. It is every, it's, I would say for the mental health, emotional health, real things in life, coping mechanism, that we need coping mechanisms to get through the realness in life. You know, like this isn't just some light, fluffy, um, you know, ain't that peculiar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is actually, this may be it for you. It depends on what you have to heal and how deep you need to go to heal. But I'm telling you, just shy of the depth that I actually did have to go to and the resources that I needed to have access to before I even was awakened to knowing that I needed more. I had this. And this was just shy of where I'm at right now. So, yeah, this is an important one, guys. This is, this is life giving. This is healing giving. Um, this is, this is for real. So take a listen. I'll make it the song of the day on the YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, probably from here, we will get into let's getting on or let's getting on. Let's get it on. All right. Love you. Bye-bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. <laughs> Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Follow us on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, we are up to 45,000 views per month. I have thousands of images and videos of Marvin. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Marvin Gaye's Enduring Gifts. I'm building the song of the day playlist there. It's my ultimate goal to become your free online Marvin Gaye listening resource. So as always, we really appreciate your listening support. Give us subscribes, give us likes, and thank you for listening. Thank you.